0: Start with the math of Christmas. If it was not for leap year, believe it or not, we would have Christmas on Sunday every seven years. Now, if we did not have leap year, it would be so easily and, and to predict and live by every seven years. It would fall on a Sunday. But because of leap year, Christmas falls on Sunday in twenty-eight year intervals. So every eleventh year, then six years later then five years later, and then another six years. Think about it, leap year. If it wasn't for leap year, it would be every single seven years on a Sunday, but because of leap year, 28-year intervals. So just to go back the last few, December 25th, 1994, December 25th, 2005, December 25th, 2011, December 25th, 2016, December 25th, 2022. And in case you're wondering when it's going to happen next, that we will ask you to come to church on Sunday on Christmas, December 25th, 2033. It's 2022 today, so 11 years from now will be the next time that you will be asked to come to church on Christmas, right? Kind of brings up the question. I was reading a little. Um, Uh, just a little article about it and and for a lot of people they would ask the question so is it legalistic to have church on Sunday when it's Christmas and and I don't know if you've ever used that word before or thrown it out there you're being legalistic legalistic is defined as excessive adherence to rules now to me no offense that sounds like you know being in the library or, you know, being in school, legalistic, defined as excessive adherence to rules. So is it legalistic to be here this morning? Absolutely not, because we're here to celebrate the greatest gift of all. We're here to celebrate Jesus Christ. Thanks, babe, doll. Thank you. Appreciate that. And there's no rule that any of us have to be here this morning. We all came. Maybe maybe some of us are forced, right? But... For the most part, nobody, you know, we didn't bribe you, I don't think, too bad to come here this morning, but you're here. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you made it, neighbor. (laughs) Thanks, Sam. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Luke chapter 2 as we read the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it says this. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when yeah, however you say it, was governor of Syria, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. Verse 4. And because Joseph was the descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled with Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. While they were on the way there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger, because there was no available lodging. Who is Caesar Augustus that he should ask for a census? Well, I'm glad you asked. Caesar Augustus, he he was given the name Augustus it was voted to him 27 BC, and he was given the name Augustus because they wanted to use it for taxation and military purposes. So Caesar Augustus, which means exalted, and before Caesar Augustus and before he was emperor, Rome was actually ruled by senate. But when Caesar Augustus came into power, they made him not only uh, the king, they made him the emperor, as he took over, as we know, much of the world on that side over there. And so they gave him that title, Augustus, because he was exalted. He was exalted. So for Caesar Augustus, interestingly enough, we all know he was a man, right? Just like this morning muscle in here, we're men, we're women, we're just people, right? But he asked at this time, of all things, a census to be counted and time to pay some taxes. Now, this kind of tax, this kind of tax happened every 14 years. Now, for most of us, we know that we pay taxes a little more frequently most of the time, right? This tax was paid every 14 years. And it was a three-day journey, six miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Kind of crazy, but as you turn 13 year old, if you're a boy, you would be registered and you would start paying taxes, 13 years old. For girls, in case you're wondering girls, 12 years old, you become a lady, an adult, you registered and you start paying taxes. Can you imagine if we had to start paying taxes at 12 and 13 today? Ugh. No, thank you. For the census, this was based on land and property. And so for them, for, for Mary and Joseph, they own property in Bethlehem. And, and to think about it, sometimes, you know, I don't know if you ever thought, sometimes it's the wrong time, the wrong place kind of deal. And, and to be nine months pregnant and to travel six miles, whether you're walking or sitting or riding with a donkey, I don't think that's comfortable. I've never had a baby or had to carry one, thank God. But I think for Mary... Who had to go on this long journey just to pay some taxes, carrying a baby? I start thinking questions going through my head. And to get there, there was absolutely no no room. And so there's two kind of questions that, that kind of come to my mind. And I and I wonder for Mary and Joseph, did they have any arguments on the way? Did they have any arguments in between each other? As most of us know, how many of us, when you're riding in the car sometimes? Arguments happen, right? As we know, stuff happens. Arguments happen sometimes, right? Did they have an argument on the way there? Was Joseph in a hurry to forego some money and pay taxes, but Mary, his wife, was nine months pregnant? No- nothing really happens. You know, you, you, you know, would hope and pray that when you're giving birth, that would be quick, right? But when you're on a six-mile journey to Bethlehem, I had to mention, that probably felt like eternity. That probably felt like forever. And I think for Mary, she probably for a second was thinking, you know, this is the wrong time, this is the wrong place. Have we ever felt this morning that whether it would be God or maybe a person that has ever asked us to do something that we felt was the wrong time or the wrong place? And I think for Mary, she was thinking this, and she was questioning to herself, why do I have to give birth right now? Why? You know, for her and Joseph, they both were related to King David. And so this was the place that they had to come. You had to go, one, where you own property, and you had to go where your family was from, right? And so both of them had relatives dating back to King David. So this is the place that they had to be. This is the time that they had to go. And so for them... They were on their way, and I guarantee, I'm sure there was a couple little arguments along the way, and there was some confusion. And I wonder, even as they got there, I wonder if when they asked to stay somewhere, and friends and family, and they said, sorry, we're, we're full, we're booked up, I wonder if Joseph was a little upset, because maybe the journey, no offense, took a little longer because his wife was pregnant, right? Have you ever been mad with somebody that you're next to because they're taking their sweet old time? And I wonder for for Mary, what what frustrations did she have on the journey there? What frustrations did Joseph have on the way there? But as they arrived there together and there was absolutely no room for them and Mary's about to give birth, what were all the questions? What were all the arguments? What were all the fighting? What were all the celebrations? What were all the happiness that led up to this moment? And I think for Mary and Joseph, they're saying to themselves, how many of us have ever said, man, I'm an obedient person. I'm a good person. So why is this happening to me right now? Why are we here? I was asked to carry the Son of God. I was asked to come here and pay taxes. So I'm doing something good for God. I'm doing something good for the king, for the emperor, and no one has a room for me? What? What? Sometimes, how many of us know that life can can be full of discomfort and inconvenience? And how many of us can live through a day, and how many of us can live through a week when there's discomfort and inconvenience? But to take a step back from Mary and Joseph, this was something that was asked by a man for them to come to Bethlehem, but it was prophesied in the Old Testament— that this is where Jesus would be born. So something that was uncomfortable, something that probably was a little inconvenient traveling with a baby was God's plan all the time. And so this morning, as we think about this, I wonder, does God ask us ever to do something out of our comfort level and maybe something that's inconvenient in the moment? Because if I was going to have a baby, and I never will, I promise. One, I don't want to walk six miles, right? Two, I wouldn't want to stay in a cave and then have to lay the baby in a manger. But Mary did. And Joseph did. And everything that they went through on this journey, and everything that they went through in in this moment was all set up by God. No matter how inconvenient, no matter how uncomfortable it was for them, It was something that was all set up by God. How many of us have ever heard of St. Nick? Today is Christmas morning, so I have to bring up good old St. Nick, Mr. Klaus, who's here this morning. You know, St. Nick was a man who, at a very young age, his parents died. And for St. Nick, he lost his parents. They were very wealthy. And so St. Nick, he inherited all this money. But you know what he did with all of his inherited money? He gave it away. For St. Nick, there was times when he... Um, threw down three different bags of gold down a chimney and that's kind of where it started with Santa coming down he threw d- he threw down three bags of gold down a chimney for three different girls he was friends with as her parents and the thing was these three young ladies they were going to be sold off into slavery unless they could be uh, unless they can afford believe it or not to get married and so if they did not come up with the money, they were going to be sold off so that they can, you know, go a different route in life. And so St. Nick steps in and he throws down three different bags of gold, three different times so that these three young ladies in this family could get married and not be sold off for St. Nick. He had no kids. And so what did he do? He would run, run around daily passing out candy and smiles and fun and laughter for kids For St. Nick, there's a few miracles that they say happened through this guy that God used him. There was actually a couple babies that died and were brought back to life. There was a time where there was a really bad storm and he prayed and it stopped. And for St. Nick, some of the things that two other things that he's quite known for is rescuing girls out of extreme bad situations for him. As a follower of Jesus, he said that he wanted to stand up, and his main belief was, I want to stand for those who can't stand for themselves. This is Saint Nick. Sounds like a good dude. And I'm not sure this morning where Christmas finds you. Maybe life is good. Maybe life is perfect. But for maybe, maybe life isn't so good. I don't know if you've ever heard of um, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He wrote a poem that I want to read this morning. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old, familiar familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, good will to men. And though how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along, the unbroken song of peace on earth, good will to men. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, I heard the bells, till ringing, singing on its way. The world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the earth, stones of continent, and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, good will to men. And in despair, I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, Good will to men. Then the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth. Good will to men. Here's a man who wrote this song, who had a kind of an interesting life. He lost his first wife. She was having a baby. She had a miscarriage and she died. His second wife got burned to death lost son in in the war brothers friends and so as he penned this song christmas bells there was a man who was deeply hurt and there was darkness and there was pain and there was suffering and there was lost and he was grieving but for him he found hope in jesus christ this is christmas and so this morning as we start to kind of wind down a little bit, it's crazy, the Christmas story, and one of the craziest things about it, if you know the Bible, the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, after those last words, there was 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence before the New Testament. So between the Old Testament in the New Testament, think about it. With the lights off, it's kind of dark, semi-quiet, silent. God used silence in the past. And there was times where the Jewish people, when they would turn their back on God, God would be silent. And usually when He turned God turned His back on them, bad things happened to them. And so the moment would become desperate. And when things became desperate, they would turn back to God, and then something would arise, and God would deliver them over and over and over again. But in this period, there was something different, because it was 400 years, Four. Hundred years of God not speaking to prophets for over 400 years of silence and quiet and if you're the people, if you're the Jewish people who you looked you waited, you expected to hear from God, you had prophets they had so many people over through time, how many of us know Noah and Abraham and Joseph and Esther, you had King David and you had Daniel and the lion's dead and you had Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and you had all the prophets and you had Jonah, you had Nehemiah had Zachariah had Malachi, right? all of these guys over and through the time. but for this time and for this period there was nothing. And you know why there was nothing? Because something big was coming. Something big was coming. something crazy was happening. You see as there was 400 years of silence after 400 years of God not speaking to the prophets, there was a light that rose. And that light came and it gave light to the world. And I'm going to start at the end, and then you can kind of pass it on to your neighbors. Bear candles in honor and reverence and understanding that there was 400 years of silence and darkness and quiet. But the message that was about to appear on the earth was so bright and it was so vivid. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you see Jesus and all that his life meant, the love, the compassion, the people that he hung around on a daily basis, the things that he did, he was rude to so many religious people but he was loving and compassionate to just everyday ordinary people who were looking for something the love and the hope that jesus brought and this morning if every one of us truly understood jesus christ we would see the light we would understand that he truly is the light of the world and god in that moment 400 years of being silent he set up the perfect moment to bring in the light of the world his son this this morning is christmas and so this morning i promised i was going to keep it semi-short i want to wrap up with a few thoughts one john 1 4 says the word gave life to everything and if you read the Greek language, so the New Testament was written in Greek, the Old Testament was Hebrew and Arabic, John 1 4 says, the word gave life, the word gave life. And you know what that word life in the Greek is right there, the word gave life? It's Zoe, Z O E. the word gave life, God gave life, God gives life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. And so as you step back and if you look at Jesus and you see everything that he did and who he talked to and the love and compassion he was giving, he was serving, this was God himself. This was God himself coming to the earth and all the good things that he did and all the things that he said and how he lived and how he taught and the people that he hung around every single day. I think this morning every one of us we'd be amazed just truly how good God is and how good Jesus Christ is. And so as we walk away this morning, the closing thoughts to remember, whatever it may seem, if it's dark out, you can always look for a light. No matter how dark it is outside, no matter how cold it is outside, you can always find a light. When it may seem like God is being silent, understand that God is always working in the background. No matter how quiet, how many times we've prayed and God has not answered, how many times we've prayed and we begged God and we pleaded for help and we needed this and we needed that, no matter how quiet it is, God is always working in the background. Jesus is the light of the world, and he said, those who follow me will not walk in Darkness. This morning we started and we lit one candle and then I had you pass it on to your neighbor. Sometimes we misunderstand one another because we see the imperfection in one another. Now all of you this morning, and I say this and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, you're wonderful, right? You're handsome, you're beautiful. But no matter how we are, sometimes how many of us know that we can see the imperfections in one another? But you know what happens when we see the imperfections in one another? Sometimes that stops us from seeing the goodness in one another. Joseph and Mary had to travel to Bethlehem while there giving birth to the Son of God. It was not something from their mind they were thinking that God asked them to do. What was it? It was something that man had asked them to do. But they did it anyway because they were being obedient Jewish people, not realizing that they were fulfilling God's plan for their life. You light it and you lit a candle for your neighbor because sometimes we don't realize that the light is so bright in the person next to you. The light, the goodness, the grace and the mercy that you have that we have with the people that we live with on a daily basis and sometimes God uses family and sometimes God uses friends to speak to us but instead of hearing God speak through our family and friends sometimes we hear only the imperfections one small light, one candle it can light up a It can light up a town right one small candle being passed on to another person makes two two becomes four four becomes eight eight becomes 16 when we come together to celebrate and honor the light of the world we can do something great and special together our small lights together make something big and bright where there's discomfort and inconvenience just take a step back sometimes and say God Sometimes when it's uncomfortable, sometimes when the time's inconvenient, we say, this isn't God. But, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is. And how many times through our life have we got mad and angry? And I've gotten angry at God. I've had. A, there's been times where I've had a few choice words for God, and I had to apologize. I was really upset at him a couple times. And I'm sure all of us, I've been upset with God. Silence, not absence. Just remember, it's what God is setting you up to do. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, for a man who lost two wives, for a man who lost his son in the war, he found somewhere in his heart to have hope. Do you have hope this morning? Do you have the hope of Christmas? Do you have hope in what God has put you here on the earth to do?